Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today, I have my friend Mark that's going to share his story. We have a lot of good information at buddyc.org, different resources that you may take advantage of and look at if you want more information instead of making a lot of announcements. Just go there and look. We have a resources page and all kinds of stuff for you. We have a daily Dow devotional, too, that you can sign up for. It's in the top right corner of buddyc.org. So take advantage of those things. We're going to get directly to our interview today with Mark. Gosh, Mark, when did we meet? When the through the fourth dimensioners meeting at the first of the pandemic, I believe, wasn't it? Was that when? Yes, it was. It was. You were uh, you were doing you were still doing the share stuff with the with the Dow podcast, and oh. I followed. Yeah, I ended up. It was real early on, and I followed the link to to the fourth dimensioners, and then reached out via a direct message there in the Zoom thing, and the whole thing sort of blossomed from there. Yeah, we've become friends. We've even gone to meditation retreats together since then. Yeah, yeah it's been amazing. It's been no, amazing. It's been fantastic. So what I want you to do, if you would, Mark, share your story, what parts of it you want to share, what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. And then I want to talk a little bit about how the study of the Tao has helped you forming a higher power and how that fits in your life when you started in recovery and even up till now and how that keeps changing. So I'll just give you the floor. Absolutely. Awesome. So, yeah, I don't know. I had a pretty uh, idyllic upbringing, man, the white picket fence and the sub, (laughs) the little house in the subdivision kind of thing. And there was no real like religion in my parents' household. They were rather agnostic. But they would offload me every weekend to my grandmother, who was very like fundamentalist Christian, hellfire, damnation, the whole like, woo. So that colored my childhood there. And when I started using drugs and alcohol in high school, one of the things that we would do because we were poor and just couldn't get it all the time, like I wanted the drugs all the time. What we would do is we would go to the International House of Pancakes where they had the bottomless coffee pot and me and my druggy friends would sit around and argue the non-existence of God over over caffeinated pots of coffee, man. So those two things kind of shaped my overall view of at least Christianity and that sort of God kind. As my addiction progressed over the years through college and dropping out of college and starting with marriage and getting having a traumatic divorce my alcoholism like ramped up and I started just bouncing from country to state to town to town different jobs like never one place more than let's say a year maybe two years at most I just got I'm a complete I'm a complete fraud. They're going to figure it out any day now. And I'm just about to get fired. So I would either get fired or just quit, burn the bridges. And then I clean up real nice and I interview very well. 
So I would just put on the little suit and tie and then get hired at another place in another town and just watch the, the bridges smolder from behind. Now, <laughs> what, was that fear, you think, Mark, that was causing all of that? In hindsight, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I write computer software for a living and have always done it. And I dropped out of college, so I was never college educated, right? And I always thought the other shoe's just about to drop. They're going to figure out I'm a complete fraud. I never lied on my resume, but I never really had a degree. And I just thought, man, it's coming down the pike now. I've been all over the world, been very blessed to have traveled all over. And I make fast friends. But my addiction always was there, right? And, you know, what ended up happening for me is another town, another DUI, another disaster, right? Again and again. And I was in my late 40s and just tired, just so done and happened to call a a friend of mine. And I knew that she drank like I drank. And I had heard through the grapevine that she had gotten sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I talked to her and that, that gave me a little bit of hope to walk into a meeting for the first time of my own volition, right? I'd been yeah. Go ahead. What what year? How what year was that, Mark? That was 2010. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just wanted to place some time on. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Your last podcast with Kate, you you said something that just gave me chills about the way that the universe works, and to give you an idea of the way that that the Dow sort of, in hindsight like manifested for me was I knew what AA was, right? I'd been given the nudge from the judge and I'd been told by the ex-wife to go and by the parents suggested. So I'd been to meetings, right? But it was always, I didn't want to be there, right? I was just trying to get my damn notes signed, things like that. The first time I walk in just desperate, right? And just done arguing, fighting, I sat in the back and I heard some stories that touched me, right? And I was back there crying. And at the end of this meeting, the first man who walked up to me shook my hand and said, you don't ever have to take another drink again if you don't want to. I asked that man to be my sponsor. And I couldn't tell you if he even shared in that meeting or whatever, right? I didn't know him from Adam. And uh, and he saved my life, man. It was I don't know, the universe sort of swirling the right way, if you will. And the interesting thing is not that he was some Zen Buddhist, like, like thrown in front of me. The guy didn't even meditate at all. When alcohol was removed from me, like I got worse, right? And my head was just going absolutely stark raving mad. And while, yeah, absolutely. I'd worked the first step when I walked in the door, but I was trying to argue step two, and he was just so patient and laid back and not interested in having an argumentative thing over coffee at IHOP with me. He was just like, none of that, yeah? And I said, what about this meditation thing? Because I'm looking ahead to step 11. He said, I don't meditate at all, but my sponsor does. Go talk to him. And that he happened to be, his sponsor was in SGI, Soku Gagai International, which is a Nichiren Buddhism thing where you sit and you do a mantra as you meditate. So it's Nam Yoho Renge Kyo, audibleized, right? You say it over and over and over and over, which actually shut down my brain. 
and gave me a little bit of respite, a little bit of peace. Yeah. And I did that for a full year as Kurt took me through the steps and I had a spiritual experience sufficient to overcome alcoholism, right? Overcome drinking. And, and at that point I started to branch out into different like Shambhala, like the whole mantra thing was getting a little, I don't know, it just didn't resonate. And I looked at uh, some Zen stuff and some Rinzai stuff. And over the years, it's just, I don't know, evolved a little bit of uh, Kevin Griffin's one breath at a time Buddhism kind of thing. And right. it's been a real blessing in my life. And it's, it, but it's really just changed. I feel like uh, as long as I'm on the path and learning and growing, I'm okay. I'm doing the thing. <laughs> it continues to evolve, right? What you're absolutely conception of a higher power just continues absolutely and case in point is this podcast right your book and our friendship has been like a real blessing in sort of carving a spiritual path over the last couple of years it's really shaped like my sort of right turn into the Tao, which i knew about but i'd never really studied per se it's a real it's a real treasure in my life these days so, so who knows so what you the future still go to meetings now you still go to aa meetings absolutely sponsor probably guys. four yep four i sponsor about four four different guys and i probably go to four or five meetings a week i've got one zoom home group and one here local person to person home group and i've got service commitments at different places giving back is one of the ways that I stay sober doing this thing it is the Tao of virtue. It's the path of virtue. Indeed. Virtue's involved. There's going to be giving. Yeah. Uh, huh. That's good. So you haven't, so you've been sober since your first meeting or did you have some time in and out? <laughs> I would love to say that February 15th, 2010 was last drink, but man, I went I jumped into the deep end, man, and let's do all the things and have all the service work and be the GSR and all this. And it just got so much. And at some point, I just had the thought that, wow, man, I've been sober for five years. And my goodness, I just want my life back. (laughs) And so I was in California at the time and you can get the, you can get the little marijuana cards, like, just whatever, right? A little $25 doctor visit. So yeah. And of course I didn't want to smoke one joint and then go back to AA. Honestly, I did what any real alcoholic does, which is quit my job, cash out my 401k, buy $50,000 worth of weed and go live in the forest for six months. Wow. I didn't know that. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, It was peaceful. Until it wasn't, right? What's that? Until it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, it caught back up to me. And I landed in rural Kentucky. And I just didn't think I could get sober in middle of nowhere, Kentucky. But yeah, I knew what to do, right? I had done all the things. So it was the difference between maybe hope and faith, right? I knew that if I just did the next right thing, just went to the meetings and did what I had done that, that I could get and stay sober. So I was out for a couple of years and then, yeah. Yeah. What's so 
What was the diff? What did you do different the second time than the first time? How did you keep from making? Was it an error that you for doing too much service, or were, was you looking at service from the wrong view, or what? Oh, man. Did, you, did you even consider that, or did you just bear down and work the program? I, I just worked the program. It, yeah, it's it was a case of what there's a silly saying about um, don't let the life that AA gave you take you away from your AA life, right? Yes, uh, yes. And I simply thought, I'm just spending too much time in AA. I want my life. I want my life back. And that's just not the way to look at it. I was just wrongheaded about the whole thing and just lost my gratitude, maybe. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine that I was quasi-sponsoring. You know how that is. And we were talking and he said, when I'm doing service, I'm doing that for me too. So how is that really helping me? Something like that. (laughs) And I told him, I said, if you're doing service out of a bad motive, I said, it won't won't be long until it starts upsetting you when people don't react the way that you want them to react. And I said, when you're doing service out of a pure motive, is that's what it was. He said, my service, I don't think it's out of a pure motive. I want something from it. So how could it? He was uh, And I told him, I said, you'll get mad. And he bought a guy a big book and the guy never showed up again. And he got resentful at the guy. <laughs> he said, here, I, I bought him a big book and he didn't even show up. I said, that's what I'm talking about. I mm-hmm. said, you shouldn't buy him a big book if you're going to expect anything out of him. Yeah. And yep. then the light bulb started going off. He said, oh, okay. I said, <laughs> I said you're not going to do service out of a bad motive very long. I said, if you're doing that out of selfishness, I said, you're going to, it's going to cause some disturbance in you in some form or fashion. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy when we're getting started to think that in, instead of working harder and doing better, like we used to, we replace that with busy in the program. And both are I, in my opinion, both are incorrect. My sponsor, my first sponsor helped me with that because he told me that he would tell me when I could do something and when not to. And he said, I had two ears and one mouth for a reason. That meant that I didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You, I have not heard that. Yeah. He said, I'll tell you when you can talk in a meeting. He'd even get on to me for reading how it works fast. He said, you read that oh. too And then when I got a year, he said, congratulations on doing what millions of people do every day with no fanfare whatsoever. I looked at him and said, fuck you, and walked out. (laughs) He really helped me because he did the same thing I did in and out. But yeah, that's so people misunderstand what service is for, Mark. They think it's not that we're getting rewarded. It's really in that when we help someone else, we're really helping ourselves. Yes. And I see so much of myself in the men that I sponsor. It, by extension, the people, the other people in the rooms. Um, but it's just that as I work with another man with face to face, like I can see the change in the light come on in their eyes. And then I can see their character defects like triggering me and I'm like oh yeah the reason it bothers me is because you know I'm that way I'm impatient I'm selfish I'm self-centered right and so I see me in you and so by helping you I'm 
helping me. Exactly. But I can't look at it like I'm trying to help me. I'm just trying to help you. It's it's just another one of those that breaks my brain. So I I don't really think about it. I just do it. (laughs) Now, the guys you sponsor, are they local or do you sponsor them on Zoom? I'm just curious. So I moved to Tucson about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and I'm sponsoring one guy here locally. But I have three sponsees back in Kentucky where I moved from, and I sponsor them over the phone. They talk, we talk maybe once a week. So a little bit of both, man. Yeah, it works. Long distance works for me. All of my sponsees are, are not here. They're all in different states or countries, different countries. Yep. Yeah, that's, it's amazing. There's no, no space involved with that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, what matters is our surrender. Mm. Yes. Okay. So you've gotten sober. You've got a monicum of peace, a little bit of peace. (laughs) You're, you started meditating immediately, right? Yes. Okay. It was, I was six years in before I started meditating or eight years in before I started meditating. That's good. So studying the Tao, what was it about how do you, if somebody asked you what is the Tao, what how would you react? What would you respond with? Like to paint it with a broad brush, it's kind of everything. It's like you and me and the earth and the sky and the universe and all the birds and the trees. Like it's the undercurrent of all those things. And so much in the way that that I can see me in you, I can see me in the flowers and the sky and everything, right? So yeah, it's a little bit of everything. But it's also, the Tao is the way to find that relationship. And at the same time, it is that relationship. So it sort of encompasses the paradox that I find so intriguing about Taoism, right? So that the yin-yang symbol is visually apropos in that it, it shows the dualism of the world, and at the same time, it encompasses everything in the oneness of it all in the circle. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times when I try to intellectualize the Tao, it just it goes astray immediately because it's one of those things that you can't put your finger directly on. You can only talk around it and point towards it, but it's you the can't. The moon, right? It's the finger yeah. pointing at the moon. <laughs> Our words are incapable of describing. It's like trying to describe what we said before, like trying to describe how strawberry tastes. You can't do it. They just got to taste it. Yep. Same thing with the Tao. The Tao is it's like trying, and this we'd never talk about this in a meeting. In a meeting, you would never talk about your conception of God in a meeting. It's just not a, even though we say you have to have, there's a God and it's not you, you're never told what you are to believe. No one ever tells you what to believe. You've just got to figure that out for yourself. And everyone's belief is just a little bit different. Yeah, that's good. You have some verses or quotes that you really like. I like what you said about, the undercurrent of all things. I might use that if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I'll make a note of that. I'll make sure and give you credit for that. <laughs> no, I don't know. I didn't, I don't think I coined the term for sure. Oh, uh, I've never heard it phrased exactly like that though. That's good. That's good. 
Yes. I'll start by saying, first off, that verse 11 speaks to me. But one of the things that, that I find really appealing about the Tao is that it's translated by so many different people with so many different backgrounds at so many different points in their life, right? And so you end up with uh, different takes on the same thing. And I can look at it like different colors on an artist's palette, right? So a lot of times I read Stephen Mitchell and he's very much, look at him like uh, very Americanized, right? His stuff is pretty direct and red, white, and blue colors. And then I can read like Ursula Lee Gwynn and she's got like lavenders and topes and just, and there's so many different people that do it. You have all the different colors and you can paint your way into just about anything. And as a quick aside, one of the things I've really enjoyed about your interview podcast on the, on this of late is that you get the same thing, like different people coming at it from different, from different places in their life. Exactly. And you get different colors on the podcast and different right. ways and means of recovery. And you can take and paint your own picture. What I want to do is verse 11, I've got three different interpretations, but one by Heinz Finkel, one by D.C. Lau, and one by Ralph Allendale. And it's a four stanza chapter. And the first three are basically the same, regardless of where you read it from. So I'm going to read the first three lines from Heinz and Sue Finkel. And then I'm going to read the fourth from each of the three different people, because I think it, it I don't know, paints an interest. I'll let you take away what you take away. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I just, I like the amalgam of putting it all together like this. Yeah. 30 spokes share a central hub. It is the hole that makes the wheel useful. Mix water and clay into a vessel. Its emptiness is what makes it useful. Cut doors and windows for a room. Their emptiness is what makes them useful. Therefore, consider advantage comes from having things and usefulness comes from having nothing. And D.C. Lau reads the last line as, thus being is beneficial, but usefulness comes from the void. And Ralph Allendale, thus do we create what is to use what is not. Whoa, I like that. Yeah. And Stephen Mitchell's what is we work with being but non-being is what we use. And what that really speaks to me is as a as an engineer, I a lot of my utility in the world, a lot of the way that I make money and interface is is this rational mind, this logic device in my brain that that solves problems and does things, but it also is the manner in which <laughs> all of my crazy goes awry and it is i found through meditation and the place that i can get to from time to time when ego drops away right that i can be at one with you me and everything and it's just honestly for the briefest of moments until the next breath and the ego comes back and oh what about that thing with that time and the oh you're oh and it's itchy and the the mania just comes back and then, ah, back to the breath, I get the little piece. So it's in the non-being, right, that I get to be and 
Yeah, man. I don't know. <laughs> I wrote to the emptiness we allow is our true value. It really is. It's seen outwardly, but that's not what we're using. We're using really the powerlessness that we approach anything with. It's just like yes. with our alcoholism. It didn't, we couldn't make any advancement until we stopped trying and let go and surrendered. And immediately when I did that, the craving started leaving. I was like, I didn't understand why. Oh, man. I was trying to drive on self-will, and I will not drink after work today. And all of a sudden, my car would pull right into the liquor store, and I'm like, how do I get those songs? I'm here. Yes. It just it, every day, and it was this endless, like, groundhog day of disaster over and over. And it wasn't until I just like, look, I don't, I don't know that the universe put a very patient person in front of me who would have none of my arguments, which really at that point, I was just so done anyway that he really didn't have to do a lot, but just showed me the path, showed me what he had been shown. And that's the thing. We don't have to figure any of this out. <laughs> what we have to do is approach it from a place of powerlessness. Yes. And I use it every day, Mark. I, every day there's something I'm doing and I'm like, I'm powerless over whatever this is that I'm in the middle of. And if I sit a moment, things start heading my direction that I did not even know were there. It's amazing when how all those things just happen. It's like we notice, start noticing our life instead of running it. You know, we yes. just notice. There's a quote I really like. It says, the man of Tao stands on what is already moving. I can't see what's moving if I'm trying to move everything myself. Mm. No, that's beautifully good. said. Any uh, yep. any others that you like, Mark, or is uh, uh well, I, I think Kate and Craig and a, a few of your other guests have really hit on the the ones that are more recovery based. I was drawn to the Tao for the paradoxes, the things that those koans that sort of break your brain because my problem is in my mind that wants to figure stuff out. And so much of the work, scare quotes, that, that, that I have today is letting stuff go, just setting it down and leaning back and letting the world sort of go. It's going to be fine. <laughs> just don't fuss with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And the paradoxes just drive that point home. Like, your thinking mind is not going to solve this. What do you think about, I realized one day, I never did really understand what the restored to sanity meant in the second step. And then one day I realized that it may be the insane thought is that we can figure this out for ourselves. Oh. And then we're restored to a childlike dependency. Yes. We started there and we left it and said, no, that's okay. You showed me twice. I'll take it from here. And then the rails came off. The wheels came off. <laughs> I love that. I think that's I the restoration that. to sanity is that we yeah. realize we cannot run the show. Absolutely. That's all it's all in all of our literature. And then the in is it in how it works, where it says the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Yes. That's saying the same thing. Here's a Interesting little anecdote. Oh, 
I have found over over my recovery that I struggle with balance, right? That that I'm always going to extremes. I want I'm going to stop drinking entirely. I'm going to stop eating chocolate entirely. Like I'm going to do all the things or going to do none of the things like there's no like in between. And to some extent, I've learned to embrace it and, and, and really enjoy, enjoy the up and downs and up and whatnot. But at the same time, I was drawn to Buddhism because it's the middle way. It's the path of balance. Right. And I was in a meeting about a month ago. And I was talking about how I struggled with the whole notion of balance. And this newcomer popped off and said, hey, man, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, hey, man, if you couldn't manage your own life, what makes you think you can balance it? And I tell you what, it just made my jaw drop, man. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. It's a form of control. It's a yeah. form of management. Yeah. If I can just lean back and let the Tao do the work, then you get that little bit of Wu Wei thing going on with the. Yeah, and people think Wu Wei is no effort. It's not. It's effort. Right. It is still effort. Actually, it is really harder than trying to do it yourself. Yes. Even though doing it ourselves did not work, it's all we know from everything else is work harder, do better, double down. When in recovery, we learn that we can't get ourselves sober. So what we do instead of help ourselves is we help someone else. And every yes. time that we replace us with someone else, then we are helped. It's not something we do after we have it figured out. It's something we do. Most important time is while we're struggling. Yes. If I'm struggling with something, I have someone that's been placed. I've asked for someone to come to mind that I can pray for that's going through the same thing that I'm going through. And then I pray for them. Whenever I think of, when I, whenever I start having the pity party, I pray for them instead of me. I've noticed many times that I don't even notice that I'm struggling and it, the universe will put someone in my life at the right time. And I won't even see it for a month and then look back and go, Oh man. Ah, yeah. And when I'm, in the moment, helping you or listening, right? Listening, That's engaging. Helping. Yes. All is right with the world. And yeah. <laughs> the great thing about what we learn with Taoism or Taoist philosophy is we don't have to become a Taoist to benefit. These right. principles apply to any God is loving type of belief system. I still consider myself a Christian. Yep. But I'm much more broad thinking than I was years ago. Being Christ-like, yes. Being Paul-like, I don't know. But Christ-like, yes. <laughs> to that point, the podcasts that I listened to today, aside uh, a, The Tao of Christ by yes. Marshall Davis. I'm going to try and... to get him wrong, as a matter of fact. I hope he'll he, – I was supposed to interview him back years ago when when I Zach and I used to get on and do some stuff and he wasn't well and had to cancel so I'm hoping I can get him back actually so I'm yeah that would be wonderful he's an interesting fellow for sure the other one is a Christian reads the Tao Te Ching by Corey Farr right yes he he did 81 episodes and then just 
peace out, right? He's done. You'll have to like go to, to his back catalog, but they're all excellent. And the reason that I mention those is not so much from a Taoist perspective as like we live in the Western world where it is Christianity, right? And the bulk of the guys that I sponsor are Christian and Jesus. And so it helps me one, get over my like childhood resentment, right? Of, of Christ and the sort of like gut level reaction to the, eh, I don't want to talk about it kind of thing and help me relate to them, but also spin the Tao in terms of Christianity that they can understand to help maybe pry open the lid of Christianity so that, hey, have you thought about it this way or that way? So it's a two-way street in that regard when it helps me talk to others, right? Yes. It's given us what we need when we need it. Every step is on the path that Mm. it all works into something good. Absolutely. It's doing that all the time, whether we realize it or not. Yes. Anything else you want to share? Any books? What's your favorite? You're reading anything good right now? Or are there any reference books that you go back to or any of that? So on the daily, I read your daily email, but I've also, but I also have a, like a daily 365 Dao by Ding Ming Dao. I think I have that. that. Okay. It's just a 365 little sayings. Yeah. And uh, as humans, we do the pattern recognition thing, right? It's the thing that like when you see a stick, it you might see a snake, right? It's actually safer to see a snake and jump back than to not just to see the stick and it actually be a snake and then you get bit and you die and then you don't procreate. So anyway, the pattern, the whole pattern recognition thing, I enjoy like seeding my day with the Tao. And then sometimes it will sprout throughout the day and I'll go, Oh wow, that's cool. And I like the little reminders and synchronicities that sort of ebb and flow through, through life. Yeah. And that's great. That's great. Anything else you want to share before we go, Mark? I'm uh, listening. Let's say someone's brand new. Yeah. They've never, they're just dip, dipping their toe into recovery. Okay. And they've yeah. survived through this whole podcast and they've stayed. <laughs> First, I want to apologize. <laughs> but second, okay, let me leave you with a, leave you a fair list with a quote. I think it's a, I think it's a Terrence McKenna quote from a while back, but the essence of Taoism and why its roots in nature are so powerful is because what Taoism is saying is that if you will quiet your mind and pay attention, you will find that you are supported and cared for by the dynamic of the universe. And this should be obvious by virtue of the fact that you are even alive. How unlikely is your existence? I put it to you, pretty unlikely. And yet here we are. Do you think this was just the greatest series of well-rolled dice in history? That's silly. That's ridiculous. Probability would never have delivered us to this room this afternoon. Probability, sculpted by loving intent, has delivered us to this room this afternoon. Wow. And I would reiterate what you were told that they never have to drink again and you don't have to do this alone. You don't do not have to be alone anymore. 
Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.